Hey everybody and welcome to an all new edition of the Elite Beat, your source for all the AEW news, reviews, and previews. My name is Andy and 116 miles to my southwest this week is Megan. Megan, how are you doing? Hello, uh, I'm fine, I guess. Same Good. old, same old. <laughs> now around these parts, uh, even on a go-home week, we do a little something to start the show called the Elite Beat Pop of the Week. And... You can't tell this, Megan, because my uh, webcam is is totally broken. Um, <laughs> at least, uh, at least as far as Skype is concerned. But in fact, I'm just going to turn my video off since it's not showing anything anyway, and that might like get a little bit of bandwidth back. Um, I've got a Coca-Cola original okay. taste. It's a can. It's uh, 12 fluid ounces. You know. Heck yeah, standard. standard. Yeah. And uh, it's going to make a little sound when I pop that. So here we go. Yeah. Nice. That's what it does. All right, what do you got, Megan? I hope it's something alcoholic. It is, but it doesn't make a sound. It's box mm. wine. It's my box, Boda Box Red. I love it. Old Faithful. Are you familiar hey. with the MC Chris song, White Kids Love Hip Hop? Uh, probably, I mean, probably if I heard lyrics from it. One of the, one of the lyrics, like anytime you say boxed wine, I always think of that song because, um, the end of one of the verses is, uh, we drink box wine and we listen to Weezer. Oh my gosh. I feel like attacked. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yeah. That's a good song. You should check that song out. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'll have to get over the um initial feeling of insult, but sure. So is this Boda Box? Yes, it is. Um, okay, cool. I haven't gotten a Wink shipment recently. I I am like supposed to get it in what like four days now, the fifteenth. So mm-hmm. that's when I usually get more creative options. But for now, just a box of wine. Oh, word. Okay. Yeah. Well, cheers to you, Megan, to your uh, to your glass of wine and my. Um, I guess do you have a swig? Is that what you're drinking out of, or is that a brewmate? It's a corksicle. Cork. Oh, see, there's so, there's so many uh, great options on the market for this uh, this genre now. It's true. I have a brewmate in the champagne variety, uh, flute variety, but not just regular like old wine cup sort of deal so still sticking with corksicle for that oh megan i have good news for you Mm. so um megan and i are both uh trying to get this black friday early black friday deal of uh zack snyder's snyder's justice league 4k for 10 bucks uh walmart was doing it but uh i went to buy them last night and it was limit one so i couldn't even like get the two to you know, get towards the the free shipping limit because I don't have that Walmart Plus thing. Of course. Um, but so I was just like, oh, it's a lost cause. Hopefully, during Black Friday week, that deal will be offered by someone else. But before I went to bed last night, in fact, Amazon price matched the deal. Oh hell and yeah, Amazon! So I I was able to uh, purchase two copies of Zack Snyder's Justice League 4K for, I believe they were at nine ninety six a piece. Hell and yeah. and uh, they will be 
arriving at my home on Saturday. Oh, wow. That is, I mean, that is Amazon doing its devil's work. But how fun. And I'm still so angry at how much I like that movie. (laughs) I know, right? Yeah. Do you know, like, you know how, like, one of the big things with that movie was, like, it's presented in, like, um, this open mat format because it's more like IMAX or whatever. And it's like, this is, like, I never got to release this movie in IMAX. Now, now it's, this is my dream come true or whatever. You know, it's like yeah. four by, th- it's almost like four by three. Yeah, as the artist intended. Yeah, so we were just like, we were just like, we were goofing on it. But honestly, like, it, you, you'd stop noticing it after a few minutes. But, uh, as part of like the big Disney plus day thing tomorrow that Disney is doing. Um, one of the things they're rolling out is certain of the MCU movies will now have like IMAX aspect ratio option for, <laughs> for watching. So I guess it's not totally crazy. Why? Unless you are a super rich person who can mimic the IMAX setup, which I, I assume that's well, going to mean... take a lot of money. I mean, theoretically, you you are, I mean, it's just like a smaller version of what you'd get at an IMAX. It's it's still the same aspect ratio, you know? It's just you're not using all of your 16 by 9 TVs real estate. And that truly bothers me. (laughs) It's there. Use it, damn it. Fair enough. Anyway, I just thought that was interesting. Ugh, that's... I, I mostly shit on it because Zack Snyder's <laughs> like oh I need my this is how it's intended like we had to get a stupid little card before the movie started telling us that it's in that ratio because it's how he intended to shoot it and I just found that to be pretentious but whatever artist vision I ignored it for the rest of the movie because I was too caught up in the lamentation music that was every five seconds Thank and you, I'm speaking like this but I like the movie movie is very good Ugh, so glad you got it for $10 or less. Yeah, you excited? Yeah, I mean, yeah. yes, I'm going to find four hours to watch that damn movie again, and I'm going to like it. You've got a you've got a 4K Blu-ray player. I do. I do. So, so, so you'll be fine. I don't have, like, an IMAX-level setup, you know? I, I feel like I should have a huge screen, theater seating... And really enjoy it that way. Otherwise, it just looks to me like TV shows that were made in the 90s and are now on Netflix and they can't fill the whole screen. Unless they uh, like get a get a sexy remaster like Friends. Yeah. Well, not everybody's got Friends money out there, though. <laughs> so. I, keep, I keep waiting for them to um, remaster Frasier because I think it deserves it, but I don't think it's ever going to happen. Well, if they're going to do the reboot, um serious of that then (laughs) yeah i know i'm not excited but i'm just saying like if that would be the time to that's true like if if that facilitates if that facilitates it happening then 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 that's then i I guess it was worth it yes if we get that out of it fine yeah fine (laughs) all right do you want to talk a little news yes okay we don't have much of it um, primarily we've just got, uh, Tony Khan's, uh, media call today for, uh, for, uh, full gear. Of course. Yes. Just got, I just, I, I, I just kind of, I just kind of screen cap Sean Ross, uh, Sean Ross Sapp, 
of Fightful's um, running notes on it, so I'm just going to quote him. But um, here we go. Tony Khan uh, says that Full Gear will be a four-hour main show, and they are sticking with that format for their quarterly pay-per-views. So um, four hours. Starting at seven? Starting at eight. Damn it. Okay. The buy-in starts at seven. Um, Tony Khan says, stay tuned to AEW when asked about ROH talent coming to the company, saying you never know who will show up. He says he's good friends with a lot of people integrated with ROH and is very familiar with what's going on and what is and isn't available. And I think that was in reference to like the tape library and intellectual property, not just the talent. Okay, good. Because I think we landed on being more interested in the tape library than the available talent at the moment anyway. Yes. So this is this is the thing that stirred up a little controversy today. Uh, a reporter asked him about had he considered running an all-women's show. And <laughs> Tony Khan basically said he doesn't think that he gets enough credit for uh, for like letting like lending talent to the NWA and power show, like you know, that all women's show they did last month. Um, he says he doesn't think NWA let people know enough how like he how much he financed of that show is like from like because he apparently he paid for all of his people to be on there. Um, that is not says, a good response. He says the highest paid wrestlers on that show were people he paid. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, he got he just got. I th- it sounds like he and uh, Hilly he and Billy Corgan are a little 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 salty right now. Oh, God, that's, I mean, backstory between them aside, that's still a terrible response. Like, yes. hey, why don't you have your own women's show? Well, I threw some money at some <laughs> show that nobody else watched. <laughs> My people were on it. It's like, <laughs> dude, <laughs> come on. Uh, he says he hasn't had any conversations with Bray Wyatt at all about coming into AEW, and he hasn't seen him in person in about a year when they were both at Chris Jericho's birthday party. And in fact, it was just announced yesterday that uh, Wyndham Rotunda, the former Bray Wyatt, uh, is is working on a uh, movie. So that seems right. That kind of yeah. seems like where his interests would lie. Yeah, he's working on some horror project with actually with like one of the people who helped design the Fiend mask, who's part of who's actually part of like Tom Savini's school of like effects. OK, yeah, he likes character work, uh, storytelling. It seems he better. sure does seems better <laughs> that that line. Uh, he says Tony says they might change the look and feel of AEW Dynamite when it switches to TBS. But if the fans don't like it, they can always just switch back. <laughs> OK, true. Weird. Weird thing to say, I guess. <laughs> Doesn't sound uh, very committed. He confirmed the report from last week about the uh, about the January eighth Battle of the Belts event on on the, like the first of those uh, quarterly TNT specials. Mm, okay. Uh, he made reference to the full gear card being leaked in that photo with him just holding his uh, little notebook, and he said he has changed some stuff. Circumstances changed, uh, and we know for sure that that's true because uh, CM Punk versus Wardlow was a match that was listed on that. Uh, I bet Wardlow is pissed. (laughs) He was going to get a shot. He was going to have some fun. 
And he then had a, the he had internet a, struck. Yeah, he had a bad week. He lost his match against CM Punk, and then Wheeler Yuta didn't know how to take his finish. So it's uh, yeah. <laughs> tough stuff. Ugh. Um, Let's see. He says, uh, after full gear, we'll get a big update on the Owen Hart Cup. He says it's going to be a big prize in AEW, and he didn't want full gear or the Owen Cup to lose focus by announcing things at the same time. He says, fun announcements are coming. Okay. Um, someone asked about Eddie Kingston. He said he doesn't know Eddie Kingston personally before AEW, but immediately connected with him. So they become close friends. Uh Speaking of close friends, he says Dan Lambert is a close friend of his and gets insane heat wherever AEW goes. He thinks that the American Top Team Inner Circle is a great pairing and people are having a lot of fun with it. Uh, says it's getting a lot of mainstream buzz for them, which I don't know if that's true. But. Yeah, just because fighters show up. I don't know. I never really knew of that brought in crossover, except for maybe when like Rhonda showed up because she's so prolific. But I, I don't know. Right, like it's almost it would need you would it would need to almost be like a like a Conor McGregor level or a Ronda Rousey level star for it yeah to really, for it to really generate interest. Like I like Andre Arlovsky as much as the next guy, but realistically, he he was UFC heavyweight champion 15 years ago. You know, it's like it's it's not it's not like a recent he's not a recent big star. Yeah, when you say you like him as much as the next guy, I'm like, how much does the next guy like him? I really don't know. <laughs> I have no context for that. Is Junior Dos Santos though? He's like he, big, right? He he. I mean, little. He's he was champion more recently. He was champion in ten years ago instead of fifteen years ago. Okay, okay, yeah. yeah these aren't like the like when Ronda came in. It was because she had just left the UFC and had a lot of a lot yeah. of momentum there. So yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, American Top Team. You know, I don't know how much credit you should get for bringing people in. But hey, if they do, it's not a bad thing. Mm-mm. Tony Khan uh, says he will continue doing AEW dark tapings at Universal Studios when it makes sense. Um, I, I, have you have you seen any of that stuff, that not studio footage? Nope. Not a one? Okay. <laughs> I haven't either. I, I kind of meant to check it out because I wanted to see what it looked like, but I haven't, I, haven't got, I, really, I haven't really gotten to it, and I don't know that I will. Yeah, I was curious, but I, apparently just not curious enough to try and add that into the schedule, even even just one week. I, yeah. I don't know. I might go back because there is like a Brian Danielson versus Aaron Solo match on one of those shows that I'm kind of intrigued by. Okay. I mean, Brian Danielson has made pretty much every opponent he's fought that isn't like already high level look high level, mm-hmm. which I don't. I say that I'm not fully sure how many people fit that description, but he he's had like rampage matches against people that were not, you know, in the ranked contender spots. Yeah, yeah, he's wrestled with Fish and Bowen and yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, TK says he really liked Leo Rush and he thinks he's benefited from the coaching in AEW, specifically from Sanjay Dutt. Um, he says Tony Khan actively recruited Leo to come back to AEW when he retired earlier this year. I mean, we'll get to it, but yeah, he uh, he seems like he's pretty pretty good. Yeah, uh, TK says the New Japan relationship has grown a lot, and New Japan has seen that AEW has made a lot of friendly gestures towards them. 
He says the trust has grown between the two sides and they talk to each other on a regular basis. So that's good. Uh, He says he considers the TNT title one of the most important titles in wrestling and will consider the TBS title to be its sibling championship. Okay. And finally, uh, he says that Hangman Page's paternity leave absolutely affected the main event scene, but they adjusted well and added major pieces to the roster. So I guess that is confirmation that this match was supposed to happen at at all out. Mm. Yeah. I I feel like they should have had some sort of idea about the timing though. I mean Well, I think they did. It's just that you know, he like Tony plans way far in advance. So like the plan could have changed like you know, almost a year ago at this point, but 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 he would have already had the plan, you know what I mean? I guess that's true. They they are different in that they seem to have very long story arcs that they actually stick to and commit on. So that's fair. You know, Vince used to be like that. Like the thing that people said about Vince was like back when he was like the real Vince um, is that it was like every year, the day after WrestleMania, he'd figure out what the next year's WrestleMania main event was. And then like basically work backwards I cannot even imagine that yeah. from this current iteration. It also worries me that, like, does that mean Tony Khan is at the beginning of that journey? Well, yeah. Whereas Vince is at the end of it? And, yes. and is that what Tony okay. Khan is going to become? Okay, but even if it is, that means that we get, like, a good 30 years of, like, of like good Tony Khan. Okay. 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 Tony well, call, it 20, call it 25 years. Tony Khan, try to stay grounded. Stay humble. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, so that's that's really the the only big news this uh, this week, and and we'll get into uh, we'll get into the recaps here, and and then talk about uh, talk about the preview the pay per view a little bit. Uh, we will start with AEW Rampage, uh, Friday, November fifth, from the Chaffetz Arena in St. Louis, Missouri. This was a uh, a live Rampage, out of cadence. Um, and the reason is because Full Gear was originally going to be this past weekend, and it was supposed to be in St. Louis, and this was supposed to be like the partner show to it. Um, and then something changed. <laughs> so Dynamite, or not Dynamite, AEW rolled into town, did a quick rampage, and then left. Yeah, I think Tony Khan like said like we'll make it up to you next year, <laughs> but uh, but they hey, they got a, they got a pretty damn good show. Uh, I gotta say, uh, let's get into it. They they drew five thousand three hundred thirty three into the building, uh, which was uh, based on the setup. This is based on Russell Tix's uh, account. Uh, they were at seventy nine percent capacity, which I don't know for just like an episode of Rampage. I think that's probably pretty. They probably must have been pretty happy with that. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I wouldn't mind going to a, a t- like taping. Um, no, a live show of Rampage because it. You're in, you're out. Fastest hour in wrestling. Love yeah. that. Love that yeah. for me. Love that setup. Yeah, I guess you're right. I mean, I would think. I just would think about like the uh, the dollars to hours cost proposition. You know. Yeah, I wonder. I guess that means that the tickets were not discounted in any way. I don't know. I, I don't really know what the. Unfortunately, Wrestle Ticks doesn't really do a lot of stuff with like the gates and whatnot. But it's just mostly about raw. Tickets sold, mm-hmm. but 
Um, but anyway, <clears throat> so we're at the show. We got um, Excalibur, Taz, and Ricky Starks on the call. And uh, this was this was an upgrade because as much as I like Chris Jericho, I do not like him as an announcer because he yells. He and Taz like also like they they kind of like gas each other up too. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> they just like feed off each other's attitude era uh, era energy. <laughs> Ricky Starks is so much better. Like I like hearing him talk. He doesn't scream, but also he can be like a little shitty heel when he needs to but it's not like like he knows the art of if i don't need to scream this because what i'm saying is like burn enough mm. and it's just so much easier to listen to him talk about stuff oh for sure yeah so we open with uh brian danielson versus anthony bowens uh i didn't i did this was not an observation that i made but someone i, I, I saw someone on uh on twitter point out that justin roberts uh does not wear a tie when he uh, introduces Brian Danielson matches. Oh, what a subtle, <laughs> subtle <laughs> nod. That's amazing. That's some like real character work there, you know? Yeah. Especially since he's on screen for maybe 10 seconds tops. I mean, they don't really focus on him. Yeah. That fucking creep is always thinking. Wow. I hate that. <laughs> I mean, I love the nod. I hate that. I know he's a creep <laughs> like i hate that he is a creep i guess yeah. not that i know it's not that i know it's that he is Ugh. so uh caster uh wraps you know on his way down to the ring which is i mean i like anthony bowens and i think he's a really good wrestler but i feel like half the reason that the acclaimed ever get matches is just so max caster could do a rap <laughs> like which is which is great you know that's true. Um, he had some very fun things to say in his rap. Yes, he um, he said that the acclaimed ends careers faster than your father-in-law. That which... that got Daniel <laughs> Bryan. He <laughs> he laughed. Yeah. <laughs> of course, a reference to uh, Johnny Ace, who is uh, who is who is the current axe man for WWE. God. They, he also said, don't be mad at me, bro, because you're only known for your wife's reality show, which I liked. That was good, too, yeah. So uh, Bowens and Danielson got into it. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of technical wrestling in this one, as you might expect. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It was just it was like a good, solid Brian Danielson match. He, uh, he got him with the label lock. Was this the first label lock finish he's done or the second? I think it's the first. Okay, so he's still he's 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 still continuing his streak of winning every single match with a different move. Yes, and okay. we'll get to that more during Dynamite. But uh, yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, so yeah, I, I liked I liked this a lot. Uh, I'm just I'm just continuing to be happy to see Brian Danielson wrestle on television again. Yeah, the crowd really loves it when he grabs people's arms and then stomps on their faces, which is. <laughs> Very violent, but it's yeah, it's like they've they've like they've figured out that that like means the end is coming. Like that that's that's kind of like how he set up for the label lock here and for his attempted label lock that led to the finish on uh, dynamite. Yeah, it like whips the crowd into this weird frenzy that I think is kind of disturbing because they're so hyped to see a man just get stomped in the face. <laughs> but yes, hey, go for it. Um, I uh. I 
think I agree with you that Max Caster is the one who gets them out of the ring. But like, I think that Anthony Bowens, uh, and maybe it's recency bias, but seeing him on this and on Dynamite, I think he's the better prospect for a singles wrestler if they ever break up. Because Max Caster's run when Bowens was out didn't really thrill me. And I just think Bowens is better at it. Remember when they put Caster in that ladder match and it was like, why? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> you could have filled the spot with literally anybody else. Uh, yeah, no, I agree with you. And, you know, no no slight on uh, on uh, JB, but uh, it, it wasn't exactly Brian Danielson he was in the ring with on Dynamite. And he still, he still had a great match, so. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I'm pro Bowens, and I think... If they ever break up, I'm gonna I'm gonna root for him and assume he'll do better singles. But you know, I, I think the acclaimed are together for a long time because doesn't Tony Khan really like them? He did, he, and he's like he's the one who put them together. So I think he feels yeah. like investment in them. Yeah. Uh, we've got uh, Tony Schiavone backstage with FTR and Andrade and and MJF, and they're just kind of like talking about how they beat up Cody Rhodes and, uh, and MJF uh, gets more envelopes from the tablet guy. And how can uh, <laughs> you say mucho dinero? <laughs> Thanks. Uno mas. Uno mas. Uf, uno mas. <laughs> so this is, yeah, this, this little story of uh, FTR being loaned out has been fun. It's totally an MJF thing to be like, well, I own this group and you want to give me money and I don't have to do anything. Sure. Yeah. Take take yeah. my guys. Uh, CM Punk heads to the ring and it's it's actually pretty funny. Like he he gets his full entrance and then they go to commercial. And when they come back, he's like <laughs> running around and he says he just says like I just want to make everybody think I was jogging for three and a half minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I loved it. Did you watch this on fight? I did, but this was one of the times when they did cut away. Oh, uh, okay. So you didn't get to see, just watch him stand there for. <laughs> no, but I have seen, like in the past, people have gotten the ones who go out first and are just standing there sometimes get the mic and get to like do a quick little promo. And then they cut away. Like, you know, when you come back from commercial, it's not clear that they were talking. And one time, um, Jericho was doing it and he made the crowd get all hyped and like start chanting. And he's like, okay, good. When we go back, come back from commercial, everybody's going to think you guys are super excited. Like he said it on mic. And I was just like, ah, the secret of production. I remember you telling me about that. Yeah. Um, anyway, so, uh, punk is in the ring and he wants to, he wants to talk to Eddie Kingston. He basically wants an apology from Eddie Kingston for interrupting him last week. And, Eddie at first doesn't come down, but he, you know, he, he finally does. And he's, he looks very pissed. And, and then he, he, he like slags him for not showing up last Wednesday. And then Eddie apparently like thought he might've had COVID. So he had to stay home, which is a very valid excuse and a good, and a good idea. And it kind of makes CM Punk seem like a jerk. <laughs> See, remember back when I forget who it was. They had Colin like Moxley, like, a coward for not showing up because he, you know, was quarantining. I was like, don't, that's at least, not. At least that was Taz, a heel. Oh, that's true. It was Taz. But still, I'm like, that's not a fun take. But I like this one where it's like, hey, bro, like, 
calm down. You don't even know why I was out. Because they're both like, I don't. I, they're both technically faces, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. so everybody's agreed that that's a COVID is bad, and and that's a valid reason. And Punk, maybe you should have done some research. So instead of apologizing to uh, CM Punk, Eddie instead plays the world's smallest violin for uh, for little little Punk's feelings, <laughs> and. Uh, so he talks about how, like, growing up, he never says Ring of Honor, but he does say Samoa Joe and CM Punk and Amazing Red and Homicide. They were his heroes when he was coming up. But then all those guys did was judge him for being fat. Because <laughs> oh <my laughs> I like to eat a little bit. Been there, and, Eddie. Been there. <laughs> yeah. And and Punk, you know, he, he his, his comeback to this is that, you know, it's true, but it's we we busted on you because we saw so much potential in you that you didn't live up to um and then he also said like you know those people it wasn't just me it was it was like all those other people and brian danielson who (laughs) were disappointed in you so he dragged brian into this um brian's like i just had a match i'm tired i can't come out here and say anything yeah and then like punk says like i blame myself because you couldn't live up to those standards because you're a bum and Eddie's just like, you know what? Nobody wants you here. Nobody likes you. (laughs) Nobody's happier here and you need to leave. And, you know, and then, and then maybe you can like go quit again for seven years. And this was, this was too much for Ponk. And he, uh, he gave him a headbutt out of nowhere. And then they did a wild pull apart brawl that ruled. Yeah, like, I believe that these two hate each other, even though I know probably on the back end they, like, are probably good bros. I don't know, because they seem like the same type of uh, bucking authority kind of dudes. But yeah. I, I I kind of like that since they're both faces, that they are framing Punk as, remember when you were young and voice of the voiceless, and now you're the older guy who is, like, calling somebody out for, like, interrupting you which is kind of like the dorkiest reason to get mad at somebody like you know it's it's kind of like he's taking that role of you didn't show me the proper respect it's not quite you didn't shake my hand in the back but it's like come on man you owe me this and it's like the dumbest reason to get mad at somebody um so i kind of like that they're turning him into that without making it like i don't hate punk but it's like you've gotten older and I totally believe that that could be like your gripe here. Yeah, that's a good point. That is that is not a long walk from like can't believe this fucking rookie didn't shake my hand. Uh. <laughs> yeah, like it's it's like they're turning him into the cliche dick from the old days without going all the way. It's it's just like a nod instead of actually turning him into somebody I would hate. But it's like maybe when people when wrestlers get old, they do kind of like you always say, oh, when I'm older, I'm not gonna. I'm not going to be like my parents and stuff like that. And then when you get to the, that age, you're like, oh, fuck, I am. But like, it just naturally happens. So maybe that's the natural progression of the, the wrestler. Once you hit a certain age, you're like, hey, man, where's the respect from these young kids? Uh, yeah. Even though Eddie is not a young kid, but <laughs> I don't know. I just thought it was kind of interesting that they took that angle with him. And, uh, and it's, I love the heat between them. Like they, they genuinely look like they wanted to kill each other. Um, and it was such a good pull apart thing. Yeah, I can't, I can't wait for this one. Yeah. Uh, so meanwhile, uh, we go backstage and Christian 
and the Jurassic Express, they do not think that the Super Click are tough. And uh, now they're going to have a, a six-man tag against them, a trios match, uh, and it's going to be Falls Count Anywhere. So That's a very tough guy match. Good choice, guys. It is a very tough guy match. So we have, so we have a street we have a ten man street fight and a six man falls count anywhere match on this card. Am I am I correct in that? A Minnesota street fight. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I wonder how those two things are different. Well, there's I mean, ten I, in one, and then there's six in another. Well, that is true. Okay. And do falls count anywhere? Anywhere does that also include like no DQs, and you can use whatever stuff you find under the ring or do you still have to kind of respect some level of boundaries i don't think there are disqualifications in a false count anywhere match i've never seen one and aw doesn't do disqualifications at all so i I imagine it'll be a free-for-all you know if they don't do disqualifications then why have the no dq stipulation ever yeah I, i agree um Next up, we go to the TBS title tournament. I believe this is the final match of the first round. We've got The Bunny versus Red Velvet. And Red Velvet wins with the uh, final slice very quickly. Not much to this one. Um, Hopefully her match with Jade Cargill in the second round will be more substantial. Yeah, and I have hope for that because they've already had the match with the whole Shaq thing. And so maybe they can, they've already got like the, the working relationship down. Maybe they can come up with something a little. And they did a, they did a singles match after that. Yeah. 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 So like, it seems like Jade maybe is still in that phase where she needs it more choreographed than others. And it seems like red velvet is very good at doing that with her. So I think they could pull something together. That's hopefully more than like five minutes. Absolutely. Uh, and then that uh, takes us to our pre-main event interview with uh, John Silver <laughs> cor- correcting Mark Henry on his opponent. It's not Adam Cole. It's Budge in Budge. all caps. <laughs> this was one of my favorite parts of the show. Yeah. Just, just because... John Silver has, he does the whole, like, unaware but still aware thing so well. Like, he and he and uh, Reynolds are just, they're the true stars here. Um, I don't know, like, Adam Cole played the heel so well, just getting all worked up and mad when nonsensical John Silver's just like, budge. Uh, I don't know. They've got a good thing going here, and I love it. It's real BTE energy. Yes, yes, there is. Uh, so that takes us to our main event. Uh, Adam Cole versus John Silver. This match was really fun. And uh, Cole actually did a lot of, like, selling of the... He was, like, kind of, like, woozy and, like, uh, dizzy at various points, selling the concerto from from uh, two nights prior on, on Dynamite. So I thought that was a nice touch because it it does kind of, like... If he had just been fine after taking a like a chair shot to the head, like sandwiched between, you know on the ramp, that that would have been kind of silly. So I'm I'm glad that they at least like had him sell it a little bit during the match. Yeah, that was. I mean, it's not just a chair shot. It's like 
it's like real bad. Like it would have killed you if it were real. So. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> that is very, very good to have him bump, like kind of bumbling around like different times when he suddenly feel the effects. Um, yeah, like they would do stuff like where he would he would hit a move, but then he wouldn't be able to follow up on it because he was like he was like off he was off balance, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's it it was good. I liked it. Um, I appreciated Ricky Starks mid match asking the hard question of is it against the rules to kiss your friend? Because the Bucks, uh, they came over and uh, on the outside they didn't interfere with the match, but when Adam got um, John into the the camel clutch and mm-hmm. uh you know the bucks were ringside they couldn't resist doing the like the cheek kiss and ricky starks was there to to endorse it it was pretty good was taz good. was uh very upset on commentary about who had tried to sit next to him on the plane the last couple of weeks uh apparently john silver has been on the same flight as, <laughs> as taz uh, the last couple of times out of new york and He's not psyched about. They're both so like they're the same stature. They got to sit together. Oh, that's, that's funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I of also, course. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I I guess I also really liked that um, Adam Cole tried to do a low blow on Silver, and I think this was the first time I've seen someone just full on stop it by catching the person's hand. Thought that was yeah. Like, I liked that. Yeah, I, I was like, John Silver, that, that made you look very competent and strong. Good job. And then he hit his own low blow. And then, yeah. like, pe- I think people actually kind of, like, bought the near fall that followed that because it, it, it was preceded by a bull shot. Yeah. 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 So that was cool. Um, but, of course, Cole did finally um, hit the boom. Budge. And, uh, and penned John Silver. And uh, thus ends this episode of Dino, or of uh, Rampage. I thought it was a real good one. Bookended by two very good matches. And then you have that like hot as hell uh, angle with Punk and Kingston in the middle there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great show. As you said, fastest hour in wrestling. And I love it. It makes it sound like I don't love wrestling. But a, a quick, a tight hour, I think, is just so consumable. And I like it. Fits in my schedule. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's, it's kind of like, uh, you know, when like... When there'd be like a really exciting episode of NXT back in the back in the glory days. Uh, yes, before they went to television. Yeah. Okay, Megan. Let's uh let's get into Dynamite from I believe we're in the Indiana Farmers Coliseum in Indianapolis, Indiana, where yeah. they had four thousand eight hundred forty three in the building for an eighty eight percent capacity. Nice. Get it, Indiana. Yeah. Okay. That's good to know. Indiana, next door, our next door neighbors. Yeah. Um We could have gone to the show. It's like three hours away for me. It's only two for me, oh somehow. I don't I don't know why the difference. But yeah, we could have, but also I liked watching this from the comfort of my own home. You watched this live. I did. Because I knew yeah. today, I knew today I was going to have a busy work schedule, and I was not going to be able to watch it during the day. So I'm like, it's time to, time to tough it out and watch this live show. Are you so. gonna? Are you gonna have to? What are, you're gonna have to fit in Rampage somewhere because, because uh, you know we got a quick turnaround with a Saturday pay per view. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Oh, I know. Okay. 
So yeah, but see, fastest hour in wrestling. That's gonna be. That's true. It goes. No it goes quickly. Are you just no gonna probably th- throw that on after Shang Chi? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, my my person I live with is really gonna love that. Yeah. <laughs> like, Marvel. Here's a nice follow-up. Yeah, Marvel to wrestling. Here's a palate cleanser. <laughs> here's yeah. here's Matt Hardy. <laughs> oh no! Don't we'll get to him, Matt Hardy. Okay, wait. Let's table Matt Hardy for now, and instead start out much like we did Rampage with Brian Danielson on the scene He's a tonight. Show opening mf'er. He is. I mean. That music is hype. I gotta mm-hmm. say, like the remix on his uh, "Flight of the Valkyries," I like it. Yeah. Um. So Brian Danielson is here, and he is going up against Rocky Romero. What do you day. know about Rocky Romero? Uh, that he's from New Japan Pro Wrestling. That I think at this point doesn't he have like a kind of high up position in, in New Japan? He's like. Yeah, yeah, he's like got an office job. He's like a kind of like liaison for foreign talent, like for especially like for for Japanese talent when they're in the states and for non-Japanese talent like when they're going over. Okay, because like Gato is still the booker. Yes. So I knew that, but I also thought that Rocky Romero, just based on like podcast interviews with other wrestlers. I thought that he was the one who was like kind of the mover and shaker as far as like contacts and setting people up with where they need to be um right <laughs> is that unfair i don't no. want to sound like <laughs> i'm not like downplaying his role but that just seems like how they all talk to him like rocky got me in touch with who i need to be in touch with and then you know yeah the magic happened. No, i mean that's kind of i mean that's kind of how it works i think well okay so but knowing that i was also like okay i for sure have seen rocky in segments and possibly even in matches before this. But it seems like as soon as he leaves the screen, he also leaves my mind. And that is not an insult to him so much as like my just distinct inability to remember at people that aren't on my television on a regular basis. Um, so I haven't seen him enough that I committed him to memory, but I thought he was really good in this match. And so I was like, Maybe I should pay more attention to Rocky Romero, but like, also, when am I going to see him? I mean, I, I mean, as long as this relationship doesn't go sour, I'm assuming you'll see him more. Okay, and and I will, I will welcome that happening because I did really like him in this match, and I, I tried to evaluate whether it was Brian Danielson uplifting him, but I also thought, well, he's an old pro, so no, he he, he looked he looked great. Yeah, he's here on his own merit, so. Yeah. Yeah, I thought I liked that he um, met Danielson with the the same technical prowess that mm-hmm. that Brian Danielson brought, and that they had like a a mostly technical in nature match, but it also was fast paced enough that it maintained that fun like opening segment vibe for Dynamite. Um, so overall, I just I really enjoyed the match. Yeah, me too. Um... Orange Cassidy was at uh, ringside for this one as uh, as all of the best friends have now been inducted into the chaos stable um, by decree of uh, Kazuchika Okada. Yes. Um, which which they kept saying Okada on this show to the point where I was just like, 
is Okada going to come out? That (laughs) would have been awesome. Is something going to happen here with Okada? Because Okada is in America right now because he's wrestling on a New Japan show in San Jose on Saturday night. Oh so, my God! Get Okada. So he can't. So he can't be at the pay per view because he's he'll be wrestling in California. But um, I don't know. I'm thinking like, why don't you just like have him do something on Rampage and then fly out to California after that? Yeah, that would be the hypest Rampage ever. Yeah. Or you know maybe like maybe he doesn't have to go right back to Japan after uh, Saturday and then you you have him do something on the the following Dynamite. Yeah. So, I have to ask, mm-hmm. how, how do they spell chaos? Um, C H A O S. Oh. It's like you spell it. I don't. I don't. Yeah, I don't think it's. I don't. Let me see. The New Japan spellings of like some of just standard words are wild. I was expecting it to be like a K with like I don't know umlauts or something for no reason <laughs> like it's disappointing here it's just standard chaos so here are the current here are the current members of chaos and thankfully this wikipedia editor has uh, updated it to include last night's happenings so it's it's very very current um <clears throat> we've got uh kazushka okada of course mm-hmm. uh tomohiro ishii the stone pit bull mm-hmm. uh hiroki goto okay uh, Trent and Chuck, who, um, it's funny, like Chuck, Chuck said that, so did you, you didn't happen to see the social media segment where, um, where, uh, Rocky told them that they were all in, right? No. Okay. He tells them they're all in backstage. And then Chuck says like, I'm already in chaos. <laughs> I've been in, I've been in chaos for like, <laughs> for like three years. And then, uh, and then Trent on, on you know, cause he's not there cause he's still hurt, but he, on Twitter, uh, let me let me just pull up Trent's tweet real quick. Um, oh gosh, it's probably real low key, like sarcastic. I love it. I love Trent's Twitter presence. That's okay, Trent says. <laughs> Trent says, guys, there's a good chance Rocky just made this whole thing up, and we're not really in chaos due to Greg and Dustin's 2018 betrayal of New Japan. <laughs> oh my god. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. He also said, uh, like, just responding to the match graphic of Brian Danielson, who's Rocky Romero, um, he wrote, everyone's finally going to learn about how good tiny-ass little Rocky really is. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, um, okay, so Orange Cassidy, Robbie Eagles, uh, Chris Statlander, Chuck Taylor, Trent, Toriano, Yo, Yoshihashi, Wheeler Yuta, and of course... Mikey Nichols. Really? Yeah. Why just him? Why not both? Well, he's not. He's Shane Hastings in WWE. Uh, I feel like he should be extended like a, I don't know, sort of like honorary membership. Like when you get out, you can come join us. Yeah. Well, the point is like this stable pretty much doubled in size. Uh, overnight yeah i mean you're adding what five new members well yeah. i guess three new members and two absentee members yeah so anyway the, all this to say that uh orange cassidy that's why orange cassidy was um in a managerial capacity last night and they did the they did the segment the spot where he uh he interacted with brian danielson 
and he put his hands in his pockets. But before he could uh, do the kicks, um, Rocky used this distraction to hit a tope. And I was I was sad because I was afraid that we were robbed of. Uh, well, I guess I guess nothing's ever going to be as good as Orange Cassidy and Sting, but. <laughs> no, but the I was, slow I was, motion gorilla punch. Yes, but I was hopeful of something approximating that. <laughs> whatever, whatever I, the Brian Danielson version of that would be. I, I think sadly it would be the yes, but he has said he's not going to do the yes anymore. That's true. That's a good point. Anyway, so yeah, so uh, but yeah, so Brian won with um, he 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 was doing the stomps. And he tried to get him in the label lock, but Rocky kind of escaped. So he pivoted and uh, caught him with the tequila sunrise instead. Yes. Now, with regard to that, Excalibur had, like, at that point says, Brian has one million ways to beat you, which I think speaks to him never using the same finisher. And I got the impression that he started to use the label lock, but that, like something clicked and he knew he used it last week. So then he just like, didn't. And maybe, oh, you think, you think that's, you don't you didn't think it was like that uh, Rocky got out. You think he like, was like, Oh wait, I just used that. It, yeah. Like, Oh wait, it's time to do something different. Mm. I did not, but I, I didn't know. see it that way, but like, uh, but you might be right. I could be reading into it. Um, yeah. Unrelated. I thought that um, Danielson's Romero special was beautiful. Like, that wasn't anywhere near the end. I just wrote down, it's beautiful, because, well, it is. It's very good at seen, it. I've never seen a Romero special done on someone named Romero. I know. I was like, that's kind of a burn. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I know. I, I'm assuming Rocky Romero had nothing to do with developing that move, but still. I don't believe so. I don't think he was related to the, uh, the, the, uh, the inventor of the move, Rita Romero. No, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But still, I, I appreciated that he put it on a man named Romero and also that it looked perfect. I So cool. I, I'm a sucker for the like those moves where you like elevate somebody else above you and it's it's a submission, but also seems like it's a lot of effort for you too. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't really get how that all works physics wise, but Danielson made it look really good. Yes, he did. Um, also... <sighs> This will come up later, but Matt Hardy, we find out he's in the front row for some reason. He doesn't show us that he has a ticket, but he's there and he does a mocking thumbs up for Orange. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Yeah. Matt Hardy. Damn it. Okay, he'll show up later. But uh, for now, after that match, we get uh, the segment we've all been waiting for. Tony Schiavone is here to talk to Chris Jericho and the inner circle about who they're picking to, or no, I'm sorry, to talk about basically the Minnesota, Minneapolis, there's too many M's, Minneapolis street fight, which is just like a street fight, but it's set in Minneapolis, so street fight, Um, to talk to them about that, and naturally men of the year and American top team have to run out and attack. They didn't even wait for the inner circle to get to the ring. Um, Chris Jericho maybe lingered on stage too long, like reveling in the crowd singing Judas. And that's why the men of the year felt compelled to attack, but they got them right on the stage there. And um, obviously Dan Lambert and all of American top team. Well, no, I take that back. Paige Van Zandt was not in the mix. 
sadly. Mm. Yeah, that made me worried that uh, I hope I hope she's there on Saturday. Me too. I was I was sad, but the rest of American Top Team started attacking them, and um, the men of the year get on the mic and they promise that not only will they win at full gear, but that Dan Lambert will defeat Chris Jericho. Specifically, they say that they that he will make him tap out to the walls of Jericho. And at that point, I believe Dan Lambert put Jericho into the walls of Jericho, but I don't think he made him tap out. But it was kind of a they like destroyed the inner circle in a big way that makes me think that this is all you get. You're going to lose at the pay-per-view. Yeah, I think that's likely. <laughs> I mean, I certainly don't think that Dan Lambert is going to pin Chris Jericho on pay-per-view. Oh, no. And I don't even think Dan Lambert looked very sure of what uh, I believe Ethan Page was promising this happening. I think Dan Lambert was just kind of like, hmm, news to me. But, uh, yeah, I don't think it's going to be an issue anyway, because I'm pretty sure the inner circle are going to win. I did really like it when he when he like put the walls of Jericho on him. And screamed, this is the Boston Crab, Florida <laughs> Championship Wrestling, 1975. <laughs> That's true. Dan Lambert <laughs> is... Um... He's my he's my non-wrestler of the year, for sure. Like, even even more than Don Callis. Even though Callis was around all year. Um, I think I think the short uh, period of time, these last few months with uh, Dan Lambert, I think he's been... He's entertained me even more. He, he He's burned... Uh, his flame is burned shorter but brighter. Yes, he's like a he's like a comet streaking through the sky. <laughs> yeah, like Callus, I do appreciate he's he's got a lot of good heel character work. Mm-hmm. But Dan Lambert, he just showed up and he wowed us all. I think. Yeah. <laughs> I can get behind that. So yeah, uh, I guess we'll see at full gear. Um, I'm pretty sure that Inner Circle is going to get get over on American top team, but this segment, they were all pretty laid out in a way that was just like, wow, boys, just, just bodies laying everywhere. Yeah. Dalton Rosta. Um, he was very clearly very afraid that he was going to hurt Chris Jericho because he was throwing the least convincing punches I've ever seen. I mean, I, Junior Dos Santos just ripped into Sammy Guevara. He didn't give a shit. <laughs> That's true. I I guess I empathize in the fact that I've always, I felt the same way. I have this irrational fear when seeing like Brock matches or Ronda matches where I always think somewhere in their lizard brains, like these people have been trained to legitimately fight and, and win. And you never know when instinct is just going to kind of click in and then something bad's going to happen. And I always think, you know, it's better if they, they consciously are making an effort not to do that instead of getting really in the moment. But I might just be, that might not be a legit worry. It, it's just how I have always kind of wondered, like what if instinct takes over and they accidentally punch the shit out of somebody? Yeah. I mean, Brock did it that one time to Braun Strowman, but that was out of self-defense. <laughs> yeah, that was targeted. That was like, what did he say? Like, Calm he, said, down he said settle the fuck down okay. yeah <laughs> or calm the fuck down one or the other yeah like that that was meaningfully done for, yes. for a reason <laughs> yeah but i also wonder if dalton rasta was also like how much trouble am i going to get into if i injure chris jericho 
you know, big star, somebody who's going to be on this pay-per-view, it's better not to take chances. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, look forward to that. Um, From there, we get a match between, it's a six-woman match. Dr. Britt Baker, Jamie Hayter, and Rebel are fighting Anna Jay, Tay Conti, and Thunder Rosa. Um, There are a lot of I don't. I was a little surprised that they were putting all these people in this match because Britt and Tay are set to face face each other at Full Gear, and then Jamie Hayter and Thunder Rosa are also set to like face each other for the TBS Championship tournament next. Mm-hmm. I guess next week, soon. Next week, at maybe. At some point, yeah. Yeah. So it's like they're putting a lot of people in who are already set to face each other, um, and who could potentially get hurt, <laughs> which would be bad. But. Ty Conti ends up pinning Rebel, and uh, I don't. There were some messy aspects to this match, and I felt like the crowd wasn't totally sold at for the whole thing. But it ended up kind of ending on a positive note with that win. Um, but yeah, I, don't know. I thought that I thought that they they did come alive near the end when Ty like really fired up, and I think that's like the strength of Ty Conti is even though she's not like the smoothest worker yet. She yeah. she has such good babyface fire that she she can get people into her. Yeah, she got to do that cool succession of pump kicks in all mm-hmm. uh, against all three opponents in three different corners, and that was really fun. And people really love that. Um, it's just, I I feel like there were parts where it was a little sloppy, and there were, and and it was mostly when Rebel was <laughs> in the ring, just kind of. Wandering around. Uh, um, there was a great part where Thunder Rosa hit a dive from the uh, top rope to the floor onto Jamie Hayter. Jamie okay. Hayter took the most incredible bump for this flying crossbody. It was just like, it was like the most basic flying crossbody, but the way she bumped for it made it look absolutely killer. Yeah. I like Jamie Hayter a lot. Yeah, she seems she seems good. I I, I didn't really know much about her prior to her coming back here. Like I vaguely remember her from the beginning of AEW, but um, yeah, she's good. And uh, she never DMDs with the rest of them. So you know that she's going to have an issue with Brit at some point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which of course, I mean, rebels not going anywhere ever. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. No, she's got to stay on this gravy train. Hell yeah. Why wouldn't you? Uh, I also like that. They all, uh, all the baby face women uh, wore matching gear. Yeah, that was fun because I I know Tay and uh, Anna Jay are like legit best friends, so I can see them coordinating and also like the the Dark Order thing. But Thunderosa got into the group, and I thought that was cool. Totally, yeah. Um, but yeah, like um, ultimately, Ty gets the win, which is great. Good guys win, and Britt. As soon as Ty makes the pin, Britt just rolled out of the ring with her belt clutched to her chest and backs away up the ramp um kind of yelling insults but also acknowledging that like she doesn't need to be in any physical altercation beyond this match so she she heads out like the true heel that she is yeah i i thought that they were like they did they were smart in that they i don't even know that did, did they even work aside from the pump kick did they even like work a, they didn't even like did a like extended sequence against each other did they they just kind of they just like they gave you a little taste and then they stayed away from each other for the most part. Yeah, I think so. 
Like which, Rosa and and Hater got into it a little more, but that's not. I mean, that that is a match that's going to happen, but it's not like, it's not like it's like this big protected match you need to like make people wait for. It's where, in, you know, as the title matches. Right. Yeah. 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 And having Tay like pin Rebel. I mean, I know Rebel's obviously the least wrestler of all of the ones who were in the ring, but you know, it's still a chance to to say, Britt, I got your lackey way more than Jamie Hader is. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so look forward to a couple different matches coming out of that six-lady match. Um, But after that, we get a video package with Ruby Soho and Chris Statlander um, talking about the TBS Championship tournament. Is Is this the same one from last week? It is, but I feel like it had more, like... okay. I think it was mix and match. Like I recognize some clips from last week, but also I think they gave more um, talking head segment. And also I don't remember Ruby saying that uh, respect don't mean shit on rampage <laughs> or on dynamite last week. But, but yeah, like the idea is the same. Um, Chris Statlander and Ruby Soho both respect each other, but also, uh, both really want to win and that makes sense so that's what happens when two baby faces face each other there's mutual respect and then they have to fight mm. i'm I okay wonder, with it yeah i wonder when because so if if you consider a week of AEW, the wednesday dynamite and the friday rampage and in this in this case also the saturday pay-per-view like th- this is a week we're having where we're not having any tbs tournament matches so mm-hmm. I wonder if they are trying to stretch it out to where they don't crown the champion until that first dynamite on TBS. What is that date again? Um, is it this year? No, it'll be the first show of January. I want to say that's quite a stretch, but then I look at the calendar and we're already at November 11th. So It'd be my my birthday, January 5th. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Well, happy birthday. You're going to get to know who's the TBS (laughs) women's champ. Hopefully. Man. Um, Yeah, but that's like the only, that's the only thing. I don't know. Like, I mean, they they could could stretch it out. How many matches do they have left? They have Thunder Rosa and Jamie Hayter. They got seven matches left. Oh. Oh, well then, Yeah. Yeah, they could definitely get through the rest of November and December. Okay, yeah, maybe. Hmm. Okay. Well, good. I'd be. I'm. I think it would be appropriate to find out who's crowned TBS champion on the first episode that is on TBS. They maybe started it a little too early, then, if that's the plan. <laughs> yeah, but it's not like. If, maybe maybe you should have started if, if if the plan is to do the championship on January fifth, maybe you should have waited until after full gear to start the tournament. Yeah, but at the same time, like it's not like women's matches are like a lot occurring a lot on any of the shows other than like dark and elevation, I assume. And I can't even back that up with actual facts because <laughs> i don't watch those shows but yeah. on like dynamite and rampage it's not like there's more than one right yeah so 
they can pepper it in with other women's matches that are not tournament related, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we'll see how that goes. Um, next up, we've got Jungle Boy against Anthony Bowens. Uh, Jungle Boy, who is a boy trying to grow facial hair. Ugh. And it's just... Uh, it's, it's fucking appalling. <laughs> it doesn't look great. It's not It's not the Jungle Boy I know and love. Mm-mm. It's like a jungle scruffy teenager, and that just doesn't work. Um, but yeah, uh, as we had talked about Anthony Bowens earlier, I, I enjoyed watching him have a match. I think he's good. Um, Jungle Boy ultimately gets the win with a snare trap, but then the real action happens afterwards when well, hold Bobby on. Fish. I oh. thought the real action happened before when Max Caster like caused Aubrey Edwards to, uh, to corpse as they say in, uh, in Ingerland. Uh, when he had the line about how Jungle Boy leaves his girlfriend with seven dudes or whatever. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Max <laughs> Caster. Actually, actually doing okay this week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he also yeah. said that, like, I wouldn't kiss you even though you're my fetish. And I did not understand that line. And I looked, no I looked on, I looked on Twitter to see if like I had misunderstood, and that is what other people had also like heard, and nobody could interpret it. I mean, is his fetish like very lush hair, and I don't know. Maybe. Oh, Megan, I just I have to I have to break into this with uh with some some like very important news. Um, Ariel Hawani had uh Danu Ricardo on his uh, on his uh, podcast this <gasps> week. <laughs> okay. I have to listen to that obviously. Apparently Dan Ricardo uh, relates a story about a time he and George St. Pierre had a debate about uh who is crazier between F1 drivers and MMA fighters. Good lord. I just like picturing those two chatting together. Yeah. Okay, I need to I need to catch that. This yeah, wow. Okay, all right, yeah. I need to remember that. Right. Breaking news for any wrestling F1 cross fans here. Um, But yeah, uh, <laughs> I don't know what Max Casters, what that meant. Um, I mean, I think that means he's hot for Jungle Boy, but not. Mm. But maybe, like, different Jungle Boys? Yeah. Do you think he has, like, a George of the Jungle fetish? Maybe. I mean, like, Brendan Fraser, George of the Jungle, could get it. Pretty hot. Yeah. Have you seen him just running around with a horse? It's... <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, in slow-mo? Um, yeah, watch that movie. Disney knew what they were doing. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> uh, after the match, Bobby Fish runs out, and he's... Bobby Fish is mean in AEW, so it's like it's like not that big of a surprise that he just decides to wail on Jungle Boy because Jungle Boy is not mean and, you know, whatever. So he's out there attacking Jungle Boy and then Christian and Luchasaurus run out and chase him away. And at that point, we were watching at the same time and I believe that you alluded to the fact that like, oh, well... 
Bobby Fish is helping out his friend, Adam Cole. Yeah, I did. I did. I did uh, speak that into existence, I would like to say. You did. And then literally you spoke it into existence in uh, this show, but we'll get to it. Uh, First, before we see that resolution, we get a quick video package for uh, Adam Page and Kenny, their match. Um, Kenny says, like, you know, I don't lose big matches, but Hangman does. And I think that um, I don't remember if it's the announcers who are interviewed or if it's Adam himself that says that basically he was out of the game for a while there and he was just kind of on the sidelines watching the people who used to be his best friends be kind of weird and basically get to the point that they're at now with like the elite the super elite the super click like all the all the different variations on their little group and how evil they've become and so he needs to like fix stuff basically like like he he needs to get back to where he was so I'm yeah. interested in this match. I mean, you you sold me. Yeah, I bought the pay-per-view today, in fact. <laughs> sold indeed. So yeah, mm-hmm. um that's kind of the the emotional undertone of what's happening with that main event uh for the pay-per-view, but to get back to what we were talking about before, then we see Adam Cole, the Young Bucks and Bobby Fish um in the next segment. Well, actually Adam Cole and the Young Bucks are hanging out. And he goes, hey, guys, I want to introduce you to my friend. And he, you know, kind of signals for somebody to come in from the side off camera. And it's Bobby Fish. And (laughs) I guess that means that, like, Adam Cole is trying to, like, kind of bring him into the fold. But um, Matt Jackson gets up in his face right away and he says, hey, there's no dispute. It's the era of the super click. (laughs) It's the era of the elite. Just kind of putting Bobby Fish, you know, letting him know his place. Stands. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, he'll, he'll, uh, he's got to wait for Kyle to come in. And... Oh, yes. And then it leads to a big rift that actually the numbers work out for. Um, but yeah. I did, I did think it was funny when he tried to introduce him. And then Matt was just like, I know who he is. <laughs> I know Bobby Fish. And I it was like, well, oh, yeah. Cause those, I mean, the Young Bucks and Red Dragon would have, like, I, I I feel like they probably had, like, a million matches for, like, the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team titles back in the New Japan days, so. Yeah, it seems like they definitely would have crossed paths multiple times before Red Dragon went to WWE. So, yeah. yeah. Um, but basically, they're like, Bobby Fish gets put in his place, but at the same time, you know, the young bucks aren't above using him. So they basically say, like, hey, we need you to take care of Jungle Boy before full gear. And it's not clear. I, I'm assuming that doesn't mean in a match, but they kind of deploy him and there's no specific instruction. But before full gear, Bobby Fish is supposed to just handle the Jungle Boy problem. Um, by my count, based on the internet wrestling database, uh, it looks like they have been in about 20 matches against each other over the years. Date from, uh, 
from 2009 to 2017. Oh, so Bobby Fish, yeah. Uh, I'm familiar with Bobby Fish. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Bobby Fish totally didn't seem to mind being, like, big-timed. He just kind of was like, just like, whatever. Like, he didn't even say anything. It just seems like they told him what to do, and he was like, sure. Well, he knows. He knows it's coming. I mean, is that a possibility? Is, yeah, apparently O'Reilly's deal is up pretty soon here. But is there any word on whether or not he's decided to sign or if he's nope. holding out? Okay. No word on that. Well, it's time to but, get some friends in there. Yeah. I don't know if you I don't know if you license a real song just for Bobby Fish. <laughs> could see could see you doing it for a tag team though. I like Bobby Fish's song a lot. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't. I also don't think it probably cost as much as like Cult of Personality and uh, even Jungle Boy's song. I always forget what that's actually called. Uh, but, it's called uh, Tarzan Boy by. Oh. Oh man. Bus, by Bustonia, but I don't know. Some uh, whatever. Baltimore. Okay. Baltimore. Baltimore. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I hope, you know what? I hope Kyle O'Reilly shows up. I would love that part of the whole eventual destruction of the elite and the super click or whatever, all of those groups, is that Adam Cole is like, hey, but I have my own boys and. Uh, my boys. My boys. I have my boys. Uh, and they, you know, we have to do our thing. So that's probably far in the future, though, even if. Um, he comes in like Kyle O'Reilly because you know they play the long game and he'll probably cooperate initially right yeah but we'll see what happens when that happens Um, from there we get a video package of basically the uh, the Eddie Kingston CM Punk state of affairs Um, Eddie was a trainee when CM Punk was becoming a rising star and that may have contributed to the relationship there that that we touched on where, you know, Punk says he has he and all the the locker room had faith in Eddie. And then uh, Eddie didn't really come through on that. The expectations didn't meet them. Um, And we basically got like a video rundown of what happened on Rampage where they they got in an argument and. It was pretty good. So that's still happening. Uh, there will be more on that later. For now, Wheeler Yuta is going to face who was going to be Punk's opponent at Full Gear, Wardlow. Um, there's about as much buildup for this pairing as there was Punk and Wardlow. <laughs> <laughs> Just seems like they're tossing little Wheeler Yuta to the sharks here. Um, Wardlow destroys this man. And I, I feel like that's expected. Chuck was out there to be in his corner because also Chuck, you know, on BTE, he's been doing the coaching thing for Wheeler. But that doesn't really help. Um, Wheeler just gets destroyed by this large man, Wardlow. And then after the match, Matt Hardy comes into play. And it's at this point that Isaiah Cassidy, the Blade, and Matt Hardy himself come out from... Well, 
Matt Hardy comes out from the front row. The others come out from the back and they start attacking Chuck, Orange, and Yuta. And Matt ends up doing the twist of fate on Orange. So clearly he still has a lot of issues with Orange Cassidy. Yes, indeed. I was surprised to see the blade. I was I was happy to see him, but I thought I thought he was gonna I thought he was taking some time off. Yeah, I did too. Um maybe he just maybe he's just scaling back but not going completely away. Maybe. But I it's you know, he didn't have to do much here, just a quick run out, so Right. But yeah, Matt Hardy continues to to be so mad at Orange Cassidy. And this is uh, directly leading to a match for uh, Rampage, a lumberjack match uh, between Orange Cassidy and Matt Hardy, where I assume that we'll get uh, the HFO on one side and the best friends on the other. Yeah. Is that enough lumberjacks? Do they need uh, others? Yeah, maybe 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 they'll have more lumberjacks. I don't know. Maybe, maybe tiny-ass little Rocky will be there. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> okay. That's the follow-up from Daniel Bryan's match that I want. Like, yeah. you're a lumberjack now. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll see how that goes. Uh, after that match, we go to the parking lot where CM Punk and Eddie Kingston are having to be separated again. They kind of are yelling at each other, but they start out being separated. Um, and then Eddie Kingston makes this, this really like, he like juked when they expected him to jive and he got away from the group of people holding him back and he made a run at punk, but, but they grabbed him. They got, they stopped that, that boy. Um, but yeah, these two want to kill each other. They're screaming at each other. They're in a huge parking, like covered parking lot area. Um, and it takes a lot of wrestlers and refs and staff people to basically keep them from fighting each other and then the camera cuts away before there's any real resolution because again they're in a parking lot but same energy as on rampage and it's very exciting to see these two trying to kill each other absolutely (laughs) um ruby soho said on twitter or maybe an interview i forget in the last like since that show she said that was not the first time that she has uh had to hold Eddie Kingston back from attacking a person. <laughs> I really appreciated that she was one of the ones who was like getting in because it's not, she was also there when he and punk were in the ring doing this thing. But I like that she's in Kingston's corner because you know that they were doing like at least in Chikara together. We saw them on the same show at one point. Um, yeah. So, you know, they have history and it's, it's cool that she's like, this is my friend and I'm trying to stop him from doing something stupid. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, um, nothing's changed with those two. Uh, After that, we get the tag team match between Leo Rush and Dante Martin against Matt Seidel and Lee Moriarty. And this is such a fun match. This was, this reminded me of like, watching WCW Monday Nitro and then there would be like a cruiserweight tag team match like you know with like Rey Mysterio and Juventud Guerrera against like La Parca and Psychosis or something which is like four luchadors doing all these moves you've never seen before just going completely nuts and uh and a crowd that was like really receptive to it yeah I um 
I don't know. I think I forgot what Leo Rush does, but was quickly reminded because he didn't look like someone who was retired. He he showed up and was all in it like immediately. Uh, he also was dressed like the white Power Ranger, I think. That's what I got from his outfit. But um, yeah, or something. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't like. I love. I love the moves and the high flying in this match. But I also liked the storytelling aspect. Where like, Leo Rush tried to basically go over and talk to Lee Moriarty in his corner while Matt Seidel's in the ring with him, and Seidel was like, "Hell no." Um, and then at another point, like Seidel was fighting Dante Martin. And he was also trying to verbally be like, see this, like, see what you're missing out on. Um, so I like that they brought that in. And then also just the they showcase like the two students got to fight each other and then the two veterans got to fight each other. And it was kind of just showcasing each section. So I don't know. That was fun. It, everyone in this match seemed like they were having fun and did some crazy moves and it's just i don't know high energy high fun i was not at all familiar with lee moriarty before his uh his uh, big match against bobby fish a few weeks ago um and that was that match was more of a showcase for bobby fish mm-hmm. so this was the first time that i really got to see lee moriarty kind of do what he does and man he is he's awesome like his technical wrestling is phenomenal yeah he was cool and I am pro him getting more time on screen. So, yeah. And he also, he also seemed like, like he was pretty loyal to Seidel, which is nice because I, I feel like that's a good foil to Dante Martin who wanted to be loyal and then wasn't. And so like they can, they can fight it out more. They want to, Um, but also Lee Moriarty could uh, be a good bud for Seidel. Yeah, yeah. Apparently his brother is not good enough to... <laughs> is his brother okay? He's been injured for Oh, that's right, like that's right. He got forever. hurt. I forgot about that. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what's up with that. I don't know if that's real or not or whatever, but... Oh my gosh. Yeah. Poor this, this, I lo- this was This was my favorite match on the show. Yeah, it was It was awesome. Um, After that, we get a promo from Miro. He... <laughs> He is he's so emo. It's like he's writing poetry to his god about his god. Um he asks Daniel Bryan like he really, hates, he really hates he's really mad at his god right now. He is. Well his god betrayed him, but he's yeah. like, Brian, do you know my god? Um and he, he says he needs to win this tournament, the eliminator tournament. And uh he also says, Hey, Daniel, son. Not Daniel Bryan, Daniel's son. Uh, this isn't personal, but you have to say goodbye to your wife so that I can say hello to my wife. So I guess he's going to kill Daniel Bryan. Bryan yeah, Danielson. That's, that's, that's what it sounded like. <laughs> I Miro is so much more compelling than he ever was in WWE for me. And I he's Fuck just yes. he's just amazing. Yeah. The only the only thing he ever did in WWE that comes close to any of his AEW stuff is the time he came out in a tank at WrestleMania. That is literally the memory I associate with him because that's like <laughs> the best one. It's like yeah. holy shit, that man is in a tank. 
what? It was pretty good. Yeah. So I I love his shtick now where he's both pissed and loyal still to his god. Um, but yeah. After that, we get uh, a match between Dax Hartwood and Pac. Um, these are just like two short and stout little teapots going at it. <laughs> um, <laughs> they seem like they genuinely want to kill each other. Like it's a very hard hitting match, or at least they make it look like that, which kudos to them if it wasn't actually hard hitting because it sure as hell looked like it. Um, but also kudos to them if it was. Yeah, I guess. If it was, though, it doesn't seem smart to me that Dax is having this match so close to his FTR uh, team match against Lucha Bros for uh, the AEW World Tag Team Championship. It's true. I did think about that when he took that brain buster off the top. (laughs) Yeah, that looked oof. He seemed okay. He didn't seem stunned or anything. But seeing that, I thought the rotation didn't go very well for him. Yeah. But... Um, there was also a point where Dax started bleeding from his chest, which was kind of a weird injury that I don't think you see much. Uh, and I can't really figure out what caused it, but we got some blood introduced in that way. Uh, but yeah, um, Pack gets the win. He makes Dax Harwood tap out. Um, but shortly after that happens, Cash Wheeler runs in and starts beating up Pack, and and then the lights go out. And when the lights go out, I think we all know what that means. Sabu? Yeah. When they came back on, Sabu was there and he was like, what? Um, <laughs> no, in actuality, instead of Sabu, we got Andrade and Malachi Black standing there. I like that um, Andrade has inherited, or I guess like he's just like, maybe maybe Malachi's superpowers allow for him to carry along one person with him for the ride. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm sure it depletes his energy a little quicker using that level of power on two people, but yeah. he can teleport. So yeah, they, uh, they are there. They are suited up. Uh, and then they start attacking pack. And as soon as this happens, pack needs help and Cody and the Lucha bros each run in and start clearing out the ring. So it's quite a chaotic ending to this, but I mean, Interesting. It's interesting to see Pac and Andr- or not Pack, uh, Malachi and Andrade running around together because I just remember the brief stint in NXT where they were fighting each other. It's true, but in, rea- but in reality, they are bonded by their uh, their professional and personal relationship, respectively, with Zelina Vega. That's true. That's yeah. true. So yeah, yeah, and this is of course. Uh, this was the final match added to the pay-per-view for Saturday. They announced Cody and Pac uh, against uh, Malachi and Andrade. Ooh. Should be good. What a team up. What a team up. This is, this is going to be very, there's this a lot of matches on this pay-per-view, which I guess we'll get to when we do the predictions here in a minute. But uh, yeah, a lot of matches. Yeah, I was going to need a full rundown because I was just like thinking. Oh, you'll I, get it. Okay. 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 Um. Yeah. So <laughs> next up, we get a vi- another video package with uh, tonight. We've gotten a lot of video packages where like Excalibur and or Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone weigh in on the various people involved, and this one is 
about the the fight between MJF and Darby. Um, so they're talking about it, and I think Tony summed it up the best when he said, uh, MJF think th- thinks there's no room at the top for anyone but himself, and that's why he's basically such a dick to everyone. Classic bully mentality. So, do you think do you think that all these videos this week were just kind of like probably cut up versions of whatever is going to be on the countdown special? Probably because I don't know if we want to talk about this after the whole thing, but I was kind of looking at this show and thinking like I don't know that this is like a great go home show. Just like because like like they mentioned full gear a lot, but. I don't, it didn't seem like, like the matches were necessarily like almost some of them were almost like in opposition to what <laughs> full gear is going to be, you know, like. So you're, like, you're just saying like, you think you felt like they weren't like, they weren't hitting, hitting the pay-per-view matches hard enough. Yeah. Like I thought this show was good, but I would not have pegged this as like a show that is the last one before the pay-per-view. Maybe Rampage will be more structured that way. Yeah, that's what I was assuming, which I guess I didn't I I think of this as the A show and Rampage as the B show, but maybe that's unfair. No, I think um, that's definitely true, like based on viewership because of the time slot difference, you know. Yeah, but I I don't know, like you like okay, I say this right before we get into the quote unquote main event of the contract signing between the people who will be in the main event of Full Gear, but just like looking at the rundown of matches like like Brian Danielson, Rocky Romero, um, I believe that the angle on Full Gear was that Miro is coming into their match at Full Gear well rested because Brian Danielson has been wrestling a lot. Um, but you know, like Rocky Romero has nothing to do with that. Um, and then like, well, he, he's he's something to do with that in that he is an opponent that Brian is running him. One of the many opponents that Brian is running him down himself down against, while true. Miro is like kind of aside from the. Um, Aside from the match against um, Orange Cassidy, he hasn't done anything since he lost to Sammy. Right. Okay. So then then you have Britt Baker and her team against the Rebel, or not Rebel, uh, Anna Jay, Tay Conti, and Thunder Rosa. And obviously Britt and Tay Conti are going to fight. Um, but then, like, Jungle Boy versus Anthony Bowens. It's like, okay, Jungle Boy has a match at full gear, but it's he's got his boys with him. Um Right, but they use that to set up the Bobby Fish run-in, which which plays into a match for Rampage, which plays into Bobby Fish helping out his buddy Adam Cole, who is wrestling Jungle Boy at the pay-per-view. True. Uh, and then, like, Wheeler Yuta and Wardlow and Leo Rush and Dante Martin versus Seidel and Moriarty. Okay, I can't, I can't tie those into the pay-per-view. But yeah, yeah, those don't tie. I, and it's not like, to be clear, like, I like this show, and I'm not saying it was a bad show. It's just... I feel like usually they hit the go home show harder. Like, like they don't spend time on matches that have no direct consequence to the pay-per-view and like the Yuta Wardlow and then the, the tag team match literally have nothing to do with it and took up two match slots. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they just think that they've hit, they've hit the matches hard enough already and that they just wanted to put a good show on instead. And that's fine. I would just, kind of was like as i was watching and i'm like i don't know this doesn't feel like a traditional go home show to me yeah no i, I mean I, I think you're right but i i again i enjoyed it and and this last segment is 
definitely a traditional go home component. Um, the two mm-hmm. contenders in the main event have to have a contract signing, of course. And of course so they do. well, there's a big table out in the ring, as you'd expect. Um, Adam gets called out first. Uh, and I'll, oh, before we see that, though, we do get, and I believe you were you commented on how you like this. We see clips of the elite and the dark order leaving the arena because they are banned from ringside for this event. Yeah, get them out of there. Yeah, wouldn't want anyone to like defoul this uh, this contract signing. Exactly. So uh, we're going into this with that knowledge that it's it's going to be Kenny and it's going to be Adam and you know obviously Tony Schiavone's there to facilitate, but we're not getting any outside interference. So um, Tony gets both guys out there and then he goes. <laughs> he has like a moment where he's like, I'm not sure who should sh- sign first. Should it be Kenny? Like Adam, what what do you think? And then he settles on putting See, the contract. This is in front of this Adam. is why you don't send not a lawyer to <laughs> to like preside over a segment like this. It's like, is it the challenger or is it the champ? Uh, Adam here, he just like slides it to him. But yeah, Mega should have been there. Mega should have brought with her a like legal gravity that. Tony does not have. God love him. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so Tony Tony pops that contract in front of Adam first, and Adam doesn't even fight it. He's not like bitter. He just says, "Yeah, Kenny, I'm gonna kick your ass." It, it's like a very curtailed speech, and it's not even it. It's a lot less bitter than a lot of contract signing people are. He he says like, "Yeah, I'm just gonna kick your ass," and he signs the contract and he slides it back. Um, Kenny has to put on a show and be kind of a dick, though. So um, before he can sign, he talks about how Adam basically like spiraled this last year and how the elite always had to pick him up and support him. And that even after all that, Adam walked away from them. So, uh, you know, it's his fault. And then Adam says, well, hey, Kenny. That maybe you have also had a tag team partner in your past that you didn't feel like you measured up to. Oh, and crowd, crowd knew what that meant. I was like, like in my room watching this <laughs> by myself. I go, oh no, <laughs> like, like I, I had to cover my mouth and clutch my pearls <laughs> on that one too. But I was just like, Adam, <laughs> low blow. Uh, but yeah, that made Kenny pause. But um, you know. Kenny's still going to be Kenny. And I didn't write down the details of us because I was like shocked and and just like, I need to pay attention to what's happening. But basically, like, Kenny continued to be a dick about it. And um, I, he's so mean. He's so mean, Andy. It was he's a mean, mean boy. Yeah. But they well, signed. Uh, yeah. Yeah, they did. And uh, and then for some reason, they even shook hands afterwards. But like a bitter, like a bitter shake. Yeah, I was surprised. I was, I was kind of like, I, I was like, obviously it was a distraction, but I was surprised that Kenny or that Adam even agreed to, to do it. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, they have history. I want to believe that somewhere deep down, they can repair this friendship. Maybe. Hopefully. Somewhere into the future, but yeah, I'm excited. 
I I am hyped for the CM Punk Eddie match. I am hyped for this match. I guess I'm hyped for like the 30 other matches that are going to occur. <laughs> but we'll Don, see. Can and, then, you... and then Don Callis. And and Don Callis. Uh Tell me what he did. I literally didn't write stuff down. Oh, oh, no, I did. Oh, I remember. I remember. <laughs> okay, there you go. Okay. So <laughs> I know we have like given AEW's production crew shit at times for their camera angles. And I guess because of that, I wasn't like weirdly so, like I noticed when a camera person sort of crossed into the shot, but I was like, oh, well, that's just. You know, they didn't really do well with that shot. But this camera person crosses into the shot to get closer to Adam and sort of what looked like get the angle on him. And then it turns out that, uh, no, that camera person was Don Callis. um, And he he strikes Adam with his fake camera. And when he makes his reveal, he also, for whatever reason, has like a mustache and a goatee on, like a fake mustache and goatee just so he could rip those off as well but yeah like Don it was Cal- so weird because he was wearing a mask <laughs> i yeah he had layers layers and layers and well by mask you mean like the the you know the covid masks yeah um not like a sting mask and then he no. takes it off and he sting oh god <laughs> um, can't, can't believe he's done that in three different promotions it's so great <laughs> But but yeah, Don Callis uh, is there. He has a mask on, covering the stupid mustache and goatee that he then rip off as well. Um, yeah, Don Callis, what a dick. And Kenny, also a dick for like having this happen. And then Don had hit Adam in the head with his camera, so Adam's bleeding. Um, he got some color, as they say. And then Kenny, so gross. Kenny puts his. I was glad. I was glad Jenny didn't see this. Yeah, he puts his finger in Adam's blood and then he uses it to sign the contract because he's gross. <laughs> he is gross. So that was uh, so that was dynamite. I liked it. I thought it was. A, I thought it was a lot of good wrestling on this show, and uh, and I really liked the. Um, I really liked that Kenny and uh, Hangman Adam. Uh, I liked the contract angle, and I liked the video package a lot too. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I liked Adam's shirt. It's like very cowboy. Yes. Apparently it was the same. He was wearing the exact same outfit he wore for that. Um, that segment, that interview segment they did right before um, revolution 2020, where they did the, the interview with like he and Kenny on one side and the bucks on the other side, the one that he like got mad and like got up and stormed out of. Oh yeah, okay. Because Kenny, Kenny wasn't—he felt like Kenny wasn't like backing him up. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, he was wearing these. It was the exact same outfit. So. <gasps> I love it. I love their storytelling. Yeah. And the subtle nods to things. Yep. Ugh. Okay, so what's full gear gonna look like for us? Uh, what do we got? Okay, so. We're just gonna we're gonna break this down um, prediction style. Hell yeah! And uh, I might even I might even like like I did last time. I might um, reach out to the uh, the elite beat extended universe and get uh, picks from uh, 
Jeff and Jason and Justin as well. We need like to have somebody who's not a J on the show at some point, or never have anyone who's not a J. <laughs> we have to commit one way or another. Yeah, and I will, of course, I'll get uh, we'll get Jenny picks before Saturday as well. But uh, oh my god, let's... it's you and me. We're the only non-Js. Oh, you're right. Yeah, we're the, <laughs> we're ruining it. We're let's the ones together, who are brother. truly holding this uh, podcast back. Um, let's start with uh, what has been announced for the uh, pre-show, the buy-in. A tag match between Nyla Rose and Jamie Hayter against Takara Shida and Thunder Rosa. This is just a pairing of two different second-round matchups from the uh, TBS tournament. Oh, okay, fun. I did not know that this was a thing. Yeah, I think they announced it, like, I don't know. Late last night or something. So if they announced it on the show, you know I don't watch the cards. Yeah. I think this is a spot for baby faces to win. I think Sheeta and Rosa will pick up the win here. I think I feel like Jamie Hayter's the pen eater here. Uh yeah, I'm gonna go with Sheeta and Rosa. Uh I was thinking the same thing, just because like on a buy-in, why would you not just start out with a like a positive baby face win. Yeah. Especially since there's really no consequence to this match. Um, I kind of, I kind of hope Nyla is the one who eats the pin just cause I like Jamie hater, but yeah. I, I feel like you're probably right in picking her. Yeah. Uh, so I'm just, I'm going by the Wikipedia order here on the, on so, <laughs> Uh, next up is Kenny Omega versus Hangman Page for the AEW World Championship. Oh, the obvious opener for this. <clears throat> yeah. I'm going Hangman. Yeah, me too. Uh, next up, Britt Baker versus Ty Conti for the uh, women's title. Love you, Ty, but I think Britt's going to retain. Yeah, me too. Uh, <laughs> Brian Danielson versus Miro. In the AEW World Championship Eliminator Tournament Final. I think this is going to be a very good match. But I think that Danielson was always the one destined to win. Okay, good. Uh, we, we disagree here. I, I'm picking Miro for this one. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. So, I was worried we were going to agree on everyone. Uh, Inner Circle versus Men of the Year and American Top Team. Oh, I think we both already said Inner Circle. Yeah. Next up, uh, Lucha Bros versus FTR for the tag titles. I think the Lucha Bros have to get revenge. I do too. Like they haven't, they haven't like done anything with the tag team titles yet, really. No, but also like FTR are such dicks, and they have the triple law, tri- triple law. Yep. They also they already have those titles, so like I think the Lucha Bros have to win. Okay, how about Darby Allen versus MJF? Uh, regardless, I always have to pick Darby. Okay, I'm actually picking Darby on this one too. Um, to me, this is actually I think the. This is the one where I've gone back and forth the most. Yeah, I could definitely see it going either way and not like not destroying the other person. Um, yeah, but I just I want Darby to like 
stick it to MJF real bad. Yeah. Uh, CM Punk versus Eddie Kingston. Oh, uh, whoa, it's like just now I realized that one of them has to win. Um, <laughs> I, I honestly am like, Punk has not lost yet. And is Eddie Kingston the one that he loses to? I want to say no, but I also think that Eddie Kingston is such a baby face at this point that, like, I don't like. I wouldn't be surprised if he won either. So I'm gonna go Punk because I love Punk. Okay, um, that's fair. I also went Punk. I just okay. don't. I don't think. I think. I think when he loses, and he should lose, of course, at some point. But I think that. I think you can. You could build him up for a much bigger match than this. Um, like, not that this isn't a good match, and I'm very excited about this match. But you know, like, I, I could. I could see Punk. Winning and winning and winning until he gets up to like a maybe even like a match against a hangman page or something. Yeah, I think if he wasn't undefeated, it would be a closer call, but yeah, I know. Um, okay, next up we've got Christian in the Jurassic Express versus the Super Click. <sighs> um, This one's kind of hard because there's no title or anything on the line. And I think they're all just going to show off their high-flying moves. But I feel like the Super Click has lost to them recently. Or somebody recently. So I'm going to go Super Click. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so I'm a little bit... I'm going uh, I'm going Christian Jurassic Express. I was very, very strongly... Uh, in that direction when I thought this was going to be two separate matches. Um, I think, cause I, I kind of figured like Adam Cole would beat Christian, but then mm-hmm. Jurassic Express would beat the young bucks because I thought this would be like, since the bucks aren't champions anymore, this would be a really good time for the Jurassic Express to finally get like a big signature tag team win with, which they really have never had. Um, but they pushed it into the six man tag now, which does change the wrestling math a little bit because I feel like they're they're going to be more protective of Adam Cole than anybody else in this match, but I'm still going to go with the baby faces. I think I, I think just one of the Bucks will eat the pen. Okay, I mean, your you, your argument is like not unbelievable. It's hard because I could see both of either team winning, and uh, yeah, maybe it just does come down to like give the baby faces a win. Right. Yeah. And finally. Um, believe it or not, there is this is the last match. Uh, Cody and Pack versus Malachi Black and Andrade El Idolo. This was another one where I'm having trouble picking, so I just went with the people I think are cooler, who are right now are Malachi and El Idolo. <laughs> Hell yeah, that's what I was gonna go with. I I gotta front my boy Malachi, no matter what. So yeah, okay, okay. All right. Well, we, we've got all our picks down, and like I said, I will. Uh, I'll try to get picks from some other folks, and, and at least definitely Jenny, uh, so we can talk about this on uh, when we come back on Sunday. I believe we're going to come back and and uh, yes. talk about talk about Rampage ever so briefly, and then the pay per view in depth. Important question. Yes. What do you think Cody's outfit is going to be on Sunday or Saturday? Oh. 
he's been wearing those black tights with his like pops of red, white, and blue. But do you think he's gonna? What do you think he's gonna commit to look wise on the pay per view? I was gonna say like maybe he could coordinate with Pack, but Pack just wears black. <laughs> yeah, Pack don't give a fuck about. It's not really much to coordinate with outfits. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's a good question, Megan. That'll be interesting to see what his uh. Because he's such he's dramatic so, shit he's up to. He's so dramatic that I also think it has to nod to like where he's going next. And I, he says he's not going to turn, but like, come on. Come on. He says he'll never turn. That's, well, if Jenny were here, this would be the point where she goes, well, Cody lies. She would, so. yeah. Hey, he's still never challenged for the world title. Not yet. Not yet. Okay, well, we're going to get out of here for tonight, and uh, we will be back in a few days to talk all about Full Gear. Hopefully it's a great show. It looks to be one on paper. So uh, for Megan, I'm Andy. Thanks a lot for listening to The Elite Beat. Elite Beat. Elite Beat.